Welcome back to the Laravel Podcast Season 3. My interview each day you've probably heard of, but not in the context of Laravel necessarily. Take a listen. This is Snipe. All right, welcome back to the latest episode of the Laravel Podcast. It's been a little bit of a break for those of you who tune into every new episode, but I've got another great interview here. And as with every single one, I'm interested and excited to introduce someone to you. Some of you have heard of before. A lot of you might not know that she actually works in Laravel, um, but either way, it's going to be great. So this is Snipe, although in my head, you have been Snipey Head, because I feel like that's been your Twitter name for a while. Real name, Alison Giannato, but I'm probably just going to end up calling you Snipe for the rest of this call. So before I go into asking you questions, the first thing I want to do is just, I always ask somebody, if you meet somebody in the grocery store who you know isn't technical at all and they ask you what do you do what's the first way you answer that question so i say i work with computers and that then, right and then, and if, then they, if they say oh if, my cousin works with computers or whatever where do you well, go it from depends there? on their answer if they say oh like you know do you uh fix computers am i like, eh, not not exactly but if they say oh really mm -hmm. you know what what type of computer work do you do so well i'm a programmer They're like oh you know Right. So like you make games. Well, not exactly. But if they say something <laughs> like, oh, like, you know, mobile apps or web, you know, what languages Then I'm like, oh, OK, now I can actually have a conversation. <laughs> and right. I don't do it to be disrespectful to the person asking. It's oh, just yeah. confusing to them. And so I like to keep it bite sized enough that uh, no one gets confused. Yeah. No, I mean, if you if you ask a, a talk to a grandma in a store who doesn't have much exposure with computers and you say, well, I, you know, I work in InfoSec with bubble that she's going to go, huh? So I, I totally hear you. So if somebody does ask you, they say, okay, well, oh, you know what? I actually work in Rails or, or you know, I know, I know what a framework is. How do you answer someone when they are more technical? So let's say somebody, you understand that this person's going to get all the, the names that you drop. Where do you go from there? How do you tell someone about what you do? Uh, I actually usually say that I run uh, a software company. I say I run a small software company mm -hmm. that basically works in open source software. And usually, usually yeah. they look at me like, uh, how do you... That literally <laughs> makes make no sense. <laughs> <laughs> Which is where we're going to go. So let's actually go there. So Snipe IT is an open source. It's a company that has an open source product. And I'm guessing that you make your money by paid support plans and hosting plans, right? But then you also have the whole thing available for free and open That's source. That's correct, yes. Could you give us a little pitch for anybody who doesn't know of what Snipe IT is and what it does and who oh, it's I'm for? Oh, I'm so bad at this. I'm I, I'm like the worst salesperson ever. <laughs> um, well, I'm helping you grow, so. <laughs> no, I'm usually like. <laughs> 30 seconds no, or less. I'm usually like, so, uh, so if you have any kind of a company and you buy assets like laptops or desktops or monitors, uh, you need to keep track mm -hmm. of them. And you need to know who has what, what software is installed on what. And then I usually am like, oh, I've got this nailed. I've got this nailed. And then I end up saying it's a not a very sexy project, but, you know, people need it. <laughs> so, right, right, so, right. You have to justify know, yourself I, in your sales I really pitch. do. I'm, I'm really the worst at it. Uh, people get really excited. Like we're going to DEF CON this year like we usually do. And I'm actually bringing my whole crew because I, I oh, really cool. want them to be able to experience uh, the, the way people react when they realize, uh, you know, that we are Snipe IT because they're they just they get so excited i've had people run across the, the conference floor to give me a hug that i've never met just uh you know wow yeah it's really cool there was another time i was talking to i think whitey cracker uh on the conference floor and he introduces me to one of his friends and he's like yeah she's got a it asset management software and he's like really i just heard about one of those that was really great and i know exactly where this is going and i'm watching him look at his phone he's like yeah i just heard about it It was really amazing you know i think they're your competition i'm just sitting there smirking and i'm like okay <laughs> nope, totally. I know exactly where this is going, but I let him spend five minutes looking at looking it up on his phone. He's like, it's called Snipe It. 
And I just look at him. I'm like, hi, I'm Snipe. <laughs> it was actually wonderful. And uh, that's one of the benefits, not not just of having the company, but actually naming it after itself of yourself. You're like, no, I, I I'm actually the Snipe. That's that's yeah. me. And so I'm I'm excited to bring my crew out to DefCon this year, so they can kind of they can really get to experience that firsthand. Because like anything else in open source and in you know company support in general, a lot of times you only hear the uh, kind of negative stuff you hear about when something's broken mm-hmm. or when something doesn't work exactly the way that they want it to work. And so to actually get just random people coming up, like I'm I'm getting us swag. I'm getting us like T-shirts printed up. I'm super nice. excited. <laughs> I love it. I mean, there's nothing like having the opportunity to see the people who love what yeah. you're doing to really kind of motivate you to go back and do it again. So I hear that. Definitely. Sure. And open source can be really tough with that because for the most part, the only thing that you're hearing is, eh, it doesn't work or why doesn't it do this thing? Or people telling you how they think your software should work. And so uh, to just get basically unbridled love is uh, is really, it really recharges me. It makes me want to work on the project even harder. Yeah. Plus, the the phrase "unbridled love" <laughs> is just fantastic. It should be in our lexicon more often. So, so okay. So, so it's asset management software. So, I'm imagining I've got a 500 person company, and every single person gets issued a laptop within certain specs. And after it's a certain amount of time old, then it gets replaced. We're gonna make sure they have the latest build of whatever Windows and the latest security patches and that kind of stuff. So, it's at the point where you don't have. You no, know, my company has I think 17 people right now. So, there's just a spreadsheet mm-hmm. somewhere. So, this is when you get to the point where a spreadsheet is really missing people. People aren't getting their upgrades. People don't have security updates. My guess was the reason there was InfoSec involved in this in DefCon is because security updates is a big piece of why that's the case. Did I assume right? And could you tell us a little bit more about how InfoSec and security are related to what you're doing? Also, well, you're kind of right. We don't currently have a. Uh... We don't mm-hmm. have a network agent, so we don't have anything that listens on the wire. We do right. have a, a JSON REST API, though. And so basically, we're now working with folks like like Jira, and like Atlassian, and, and mm-hmm. uh, we're going to be working with the JAMP API to try and basically make that stuff easier. I feel like it's out of scope for us to try and build another networking agent, but we have an yeah. API. So if we can just build those bridges, then it just makes it a little bit easier. Ultimately, in terms of security, the the real reason why I think uh, people in InfoSec appreciate this tool, especially given the fact that we don't have, and some people in InfoSec actually like the fact that we don't have a monitoring agent because that actually becomes right. kind of a separate problem in and of itself. But also there's there's a, <laughs> let, me, let me give you the backstory on why I created this in the first place, and maybe that'll help. Please That'll do. help explain yeah. <laughs> a little bit more. So I was the CTO of an ad agency in New York City, and uh, we had grown from, I think I was employee number 12, and we were now mm-hmm. at uh, 60-something people. And we were using right. a, a Google Google Sheet shared between three IT people, uh, some of which were not necessarily the most dil- uh, diligent <laughs> of, <laughs> about <Sure. laughs> keeping things up to date. And, uh, and so basically when you've got a single point of truth, that is no longer a single point of truth. It really, it becomes a bit of a hellish nightmare. Additionally, if you're repurposing, because it's an ad agency, so you have a lot of turnover, you don't have any history on any particular asset. If this asset is actually bad, like if, if the the hard drive Mm. on this is actually just bad and should be replaced, if this is bad hardware and we should consider just sunsetting it and getting a brand new box, whatever. And so we had to move. We had to move offices. We were moving our main office and also our data center. 
And so, of course, when you're trying to move a 60-person company and servers and everything else, mm -hmm. uh, the very first thing that you have to do is to know what you have. And that was an enlightening experience. It basically turned out that we had about $10,000 worth of hardware that we just didn't know where it was anymore. So, like, people wow. got fired. This is before I, I had set, basically before I was a CTO and before I had set up the exiting process. But people had been fired or had quit and just taken their laptops with them. And like, that's got company data on it. So that is, that was a huge, huge issue for us. And so I was like, okay, you know, we got need it. something that we can integrate into, into our exit strategy or exit process to make sure that we're reclaiming back all of the, the data that, I mean, cause some of this stuff is like client data. It's actually really sensitive from a, from a corporate perspective. And also sometimes it's yeah. customer data. Uh, and so it was really important to have a way to handle that uh, a, a bit better. And so that's kind of the, the asset. The asset part is the most important part of that software. We do have support for licenses where the uh, the like kind of cloud offering portion of that is not as fully developed. Uh, we're going to be building in a services section soon so that that'll kind of describe, for example, if you had Snipe IT as a, as a, as a vendor, um, right. you know, where, where would we fit in this ecosystem for our customers? And we don't actually have a good answer for that. So we're going to be building out a services section kind of lets you know how much money you're paying every month, how many seats you have. That's blah, great. Blah, blah. And that would cover not just kind of global stuff, but also individual subscriptions sure, like Adobe sure. and PHP yep. Storm. Cool. That's yeah. awesome. Licenses are really hard. They're just, they're, they're hard yeah. because you can have like, <laughs> one of our customers actually has a hundred thousand licenses. Oh and like, Lord. because you've got this notion of a software license and then a bunch of different seats, and there are some licenses that have one seat and only one seat, and they only ever will. And then there are ones that have tens of thousands, for example, you know, Microsoft yeah. suite. Like if you have a large company, you're going to have a lot of those licenses. And so one mm -hmm. of the things I really, I care really deeply about in Stipe IT. And I think one of the reasons why we've been successful in this really saturated marketplace, because it is a really saturated marketplace is that I mm -hmm. care a lot about the user's experience. And so I know, for example, that our licenses section, the UI on that and the UX on that is not as optimized as it could be. And so that will be the next thing that we're we're really kind of tackling is because it is a popular section and it's one that because of the nature of the variability of licenses makes that a really tricky uh, UX problem to solve. But yeah. that's one of the things that I love about this work is getting to solve those kinds of problems. So, hmm. so I, I mean, you're you're starting to make me interested <laughs> in this, which is which, which means you're doing your job of the the sales pitch. You said you've got something you're super comfortable with. So, but I I want to. I, I always struggle. I, I, somebody made a joke and they said something like it's a drinking game for how many times Matt says I could talk about I this for hours yes. during a podcast. <laughs> yeah, we're, the, we're there already. Excellent. <laughs> um, but I do want to I want to step back from Snipe IT just a little bit. Snipe it. I want to call it Snipe it now that you said that. Please don't call um, it that. And <laughs> I won't, I promise. Uh, and think a little bit about kind of what got you to here and what got you to the point where you're a name and an online persona. I saw you had some interactions with Swift on security the other day and everyone got all excited seeing kind of the two interacting. So what, what, what was the story? Um, I, I want to eventually kind of go back to like when you got, got into computers in the first place, but first, what was the story of kind of the process of you going from like just any other person on the internet, on Twitter, on, you know, get or whatever to being kind of like a, a persona that is relatively well-known across multiple communities. I can't really answer that for you because I don't really understand it myself. <laughs> Yeah. Other than lots of poop jokes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I think probably 
Uh, you know, I've been on Twitter for a while. Also, I, I mean, I, I was on IRC for a long time. I'm, I think I'm still an op in mm -hmm. the uh, the Pound Pound PHP channel on Freenode, although I don't I don't visit there as often okay. as I used to. Uh, but I was really involved in that as I was learning PHP and was, as I was helping other people learn PHP. And uh, so I, I don't know. I've just I've always been kind of a, a mouthy broad. And I think that's <laughs> I think that's probably worked because it, whether you like me or not, you remember me. <laughs> and uh, yeah, for sure. And so and I, I'm doing my very best to not swear on your podcast, by the way. I've, I've caught myself at least five times now. I'm like, nope, <laughs> nope, nope. <laughs> I mean, if it happens, it happens. But I appreciate it. So I'm doing my um, very best. best uh, you know, like I'm at a conference. Broad was a <laughs> yes, good I know. one. Yeah. I, I know, right. Exactly. I, yeah, exactly. I was like, broad, which, you know, is an offensive term in and of itself. But it's still, right. But we toned it down a little. So, you know, better than the alternative, I think. <laughs> <These steps. laughs> so, I'm trying my, I'm trying my best here, Matt. <laughs> I appreciate it very much. So was it PHP in the world of PHP? So first of all, I heard longevity. Like I've been here for a while. That's always a big win. You know, poop jokes. That's also obviously a big win. I don't, I don't know if you I can, know, give the people what they want. I don't know if I can want. say dick jokes on your podcast. Dick jokes are definitely a big <laughs> well, part did. of the repertoire. So there we so. Go. <laughs> all right. Yeah, no. So yeah, so so being being an interesting person, you know, having been around for a while, but was it in PHP and teaching PHP and being around in kind of the PHP world for a while? Was that the main space kind of where you came to prominence versus InfoSec versus being an open source, you know, uh, business owner? Was it primarily in being a PHP personality where you kind of came to at least your original probably, kind of knownness? Probably, yeah, I mean, okay. when, when I when I grab onto something, I kind of don't let go of it, and so. I, uh, you know, right. I've been doing some, uh, some Perl work. I think I've probably started with Perl. That was back in the days when I ran Linux as a desktop on purpose. And, uh, <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. So I was writing some Perl stuff, heard about this, this crazy thing called PHP, which looked way easier and uh -huh. was way, re way more readable and ended up writing some now terribly insecure. I mean, I know this now, but this is right. like 2000, 2001, something like that. So right. We're going back a ways. And so I had just started to put out stupid scripts like, you know, e-card scripts and things like that, because they served a mm -hmm. need that that, uh, you know, that I needed to have filled. I, I was I this is a, a kind of a, a, a well-known secret, but I worked Renaissance fairs for a very long time. And I was guild member number three. No, sorry. Number four of the International Wenches Guild. And. Yeah, what? That, that's not even the interest. That's not even the most interesting thing I can tell you. But anyway, uh, so I was running their website, wench.org, which now looks terrible because it's, you know, Facebook kind of took over that community. But we used to have, yeah. I used to have interactive, like uh, sending, sending roses to each other because in the Renaissance Fair community, different, nice. different rose colors have different meaning. And so it's basically like an online greeting card thing with these kind of built-in rose color meanings. So you could pick different colors of roses and kind of send them to seek oh, cool. to, to people that you liked or people you didn't like or whatever. And so having this kind of playground of a huge community of people who basically I would post to the forums, I'd say, I'm thinking about building this. What do you guys think? And mm -hmm. by the time they actually answered me, I had already built it anyway. I was just like, this looks really interesting. I want to see if I can do this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so it was it was really really cool to have access to basically a, a a beta testing community that was super excited about anything that I put out, and so it definitely yeah. kind of stoked the fires for me, you know, kind of stretching and doing things that I may not have done if I didn't have a a reason to do it before. Well, I love how much passion plays a part there. Not like this kind of ill-defined like I'm passionate about programming that means I spend all my free time doing it, but more like 
there was you had like I've I've noticed that a lot of people who are a little bit older had PHP actually just developers in general which are is quite a few me people old? I've had on the show. Are you are you? I'm are me you too. I'm in the group too. It, oh I, my I, god, <laughs> that's it. This interview is over. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> burn the place down. Yeah, like I think those of us who started back when becoming a programmer wasn't necessarily like gonna make you big and rich. Like there's a little bit of that idea today, right? Like go do a six month boot camp and then you're going to be rich or something. And I think when a lot of us started, you know, and I'm putting myself in that bucket, I'm in the nineties and the eighties, kind of like when we started, it was because it was something that allowed us to do things we couldn't do otherwise. And I don't know your whole backstory, so I want to hear it, but a lot of the people I've noticed, oh, I was in the dancing community. I was in a video game community. I was in the Ren Renaissance, whatever community. That was what I was doing before I got into computers. So. Okay. Well, before I talk anymore, we need to talk about this. So tell me, tell me the story, tell me about wall street and then tell me when did you actually first first getting into computers. So I left high school. I was living with my sister in a tent in Montana for about nine months. And then it got too, got okay. too cold. Our toothpaste started to freeze during the day. <laughs> and we're like, you know, F this business. So we went down to, right. uh, to Colorado because we'd met some friends at Colorado School of Mines, stayed there for a little bit, came back to New Jersey and was like, well, I, uh, I don't want to go to college. Also, I don't have any money for college. So, <laughs> you know, right. there's that. Uh, so I ended up waitressing for a little bit, was waitressing wearing my indoor soccer shoes because I was a soccer player for 13 years. And uh, the coach from Kane College came in to eat at my restaurant and he looks at me with kind of a disdain and he goes, you actually play soccer with those or are they just for fashion? I was like, I'm like, bitch, oh I was goodness. all state. What are you talking about? <laughs> right. like, Do you want to go to college? I'm like, I guess. So he invited uh -huh. me to uh, go to Kane College where I studied education of the hearing impaired for exactly okay. one semester. <laughs> and I was like, holy <laughs> crap, this is so boring. I can't do this. Not the education, the hearing impaired part. I just, yeah, just it just wasn't my jam. And so I was yeah. like, I want to move to New York or move to New York City. And so I pick up a mm -hmm. paper and I'm like, okay, I'm super not qualified to do any of these things. I've done, basically, I was a leather worker at a Renaissance fair. I've done makeup mm -hmm. work for the adult film industry. And I'm like, um, I, and so of course <laughs> the easiest way to wall street is sales. And, uh, so okay. I had the most grueling interview I've ever had in my life. Cause like, I didn't know anything about real sales. It worked retail. Right. I remember sweating so hard. I had just dyed my hair back to a normal color. You could still see a little bit of green in it. And I'm wearing my sister's like fancy, fancy suit. I have no idea uh -huh. what I'm actually going to be doing there. And it, it's like, it is literally out of Glengarry Glen Ross kind of like high pressure sales that they're expecting right. from me. And I'm yep. like, I'm 17, 18 years old. I have no idea what I'm doing, Jeez. but I managed to pull it out, you know, at the, the very last minute and I got the job and was working nice. at a place uh, that did uh, Forex futures. Then they went out of business because the principals moved back to Argentina with all of our clients' money. And so that spent a little bit of time oh, in the attorney general's office, uh, kind of making it really clear that we had nothing to do with it. Yeah, at least it was there and not yeah, jail. That's so. absolutely true. I mean, you know, it's it's not that uncommon, you know, that the the main traders are the ones that actually have the access to the real yeah. money. Uh, and so then we started working at a stock shop and I realized I was working until six, seven o'clock at night, busting my ass, mm -hmm. all for lines in a ledger. And like I was actually pretty good at that job, but I also caught myself using those creepy, sleazy sales techniques on my friends and my family. Yep. You know, yeah. when you catch yourself saying, well, let me ask you this. And like, you're like, ah, <laughs> ah, I, I hate know. myself. Oh my God, what I really, am I doing? I just realized that I hated myself and that I didn't want to do it anymore. Yeah. And so I yeah. quit my job and I had a boyfriend at the time that had a computer and that's 
pretty much it. That's, I mean, I'd done some, some basic programming, literally basic programming in high school. Like you basic. <laughs> yes, basic in high yes. school and actually uh, before that. And in fact, funny story when I wrote my first book. So I almost didn't graduate high school because my parents were getting divorced and I just like, I just kind of checked out, uh, you know, I was, was good at yeah, all my classes. Sure. I just checked out. So I had to pass a computer programming class in order to graduate. And my, <laughs> my teacher, who is the, the track coach as well, Coach Terrell, he knew me from soccer. Okay. And, uh, you know, he calls me into his office and he's like, Allison, I got to tell you, like, you're just, you just weren't here. And you know that I, if you don't show up, I penalize you for that. Yeah. I did really well in all your tests, but like attendance is not optional in this class. And I just don't think I can pass you. And I'm like, I'm not going to graduate then. Yeah. And he's like, all right, well, the thing is that when you're here, you do really good work. So I'm going to let you go this time, but you really got to get your wow. shit together. And so when I, when I published my first programming book, I sent him a copy. <laughs> <laughs> and I wrote in the, on the inside, awesome. Dear Coach Terrell, thanks for having faith in me. <laughs> That's amazing. And you know he has that sitting on the, oh, sitting on the shelf where everyone can see it. it. Yep, yep, yeah. That's so, really cool. Uh, that, was, that was really nice of him. Yeah. <laughs> it would have probably, my life would have had a slightly different outcome if, uh, you know, if I'd had to take some more time and like, you know, get a GED and everything yeah. else just because I didn't show up to my wow. programming class. But so anyway, uh, I left Wall Street because I had a soul, apparently. <laughs> turns out. Yeah, it turns out. Surprise. <laughs> it's funny because <laughs> you're telling me this whole story and what I'm seeing in front of my face in Skype is your avatar. And so for anyone who's never seen this avatar, it's got a, you know, a star around one eye, you know, you know, kind of smirky, slanty eye, you know, looking down where you're kind of like, I'm going to get you <laughs> spiky. And so it's funny hearing you tell this story and just like the dissonance is so strong of seeing that, hearing your voice and then hearing you talk about being on Wall Street. So obviously I'm looking back, you know, hindsight is 2020, but I'm seeing the story, you know, turn out the way it has so far does not surprise me looking at the the picture of you <laughs> that I'm looking at right now. So well, you, Okay. Mo mohawk mohawk people have souls too yeah but turns also, out yeah i mean i got that mohawk uh as a fundraiser for eff really i raised like fifteen hundred dollars for eff and a bunch of years ago and then and kept it and then once yeah once i had it i was like wait a minute this completely fits me why did i not have this like my entire life that's awesome <laughs> so, so but yeah like there was a good reason behind yeah it. <laughs> well and honestly what i meant is actually the inverse which is that i associate the soul having the soul you know like when you imagine like soulless crushing new york city job where you, you hate what you're doing you don't usually associate it with like the sense of uh, owning who i am and myself that is associated with the picture i'm looking at in ah. front of me you know so 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 your boyfriend at the time had a computer you actually had a little bit of history because you had studied at least some coding you said primarily yes. in basic in high school so where did you go from there was that when you start we're doing the renaissance fairs and you started building that or was there a step before that um no i mean remember this is back when the the web i'm 42 so yeah i know, did I, just... I was i wasn't i wasn't making any assumptions about what the web <laughs> no, was like at uh, that point yeah i mean there there wasn't i think there might have been one html book that was about to come right. out like that's that's where we were yep. and so if you wanted to do anything on the web you basically figured out how to right click you source, and man. You source and you just poked at things until they did what you wanted. Like there was just, yep. there was no other way around that. And, uh, and so then I just, I realized that I really liked it because it let me say what I wanted to say. It mm -hmm. let me make things look, I mean, you know, for what we had back then, we right. didn't have JavaScript or CSS or any right. of that stuff. Use that color but, tag. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and so it, it was enormously powerful to be able to kind of have things to say and put them out there and other people could see it. And so then I just started to kind of freelance doing that. I was also doing some uh, graphic design uh, mm -hmm. for uh, one of those. I'm not. It's not. It, 
like the real estate magazines, like the penny, the not the penny savers, but like um, the like auto trader type yeah, yeah. things but mm -hmm. for cars. So I used to do photo correction for them. And we'd have to like basically use using Corel draw. I think it was. Oh, my gosh. Um, that's a throwback. Yeah. I'm an old, old woman. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've used Corel draw in my day, but it's been a long time. Yes. And our hard drives would fill up every single day. And so we'd have to like yeah. figure out what we what we what had already gone to press. Right. So that we could delete it off. But like, you know, basically photoshopping to use Photoshop as a verb inappropriately, yeah. like garbage cans and other stuff out of people's black and white crappy photos. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> and then I, I actually offered that guy because he was nice enough to give me a job. And I offered, I said, you know, I can make you a website. He's like, yeah, you know, the internet's a fad. And I'm like, <laughs> I was like, I'm just trying to build up my portfolio. I'll do it for you for free. Right. He's like, yeah, you know, it's not going to stick. I'm like, okay. All right, buddy. <laughs> yep. And, uh, and yeah, so, so that's, that's kind of where it started. Uh, and then I think I moved to Virginia for a short amount of time. And then Georgia got a job at computer telephony company where I was running their website and also designing trade show materials like booths and stuff, which yeah. by the way, I had no idea how to do. And so no one was more surprised than I was when, I, when they took pictures at the trade show and the booth actually looked actually amazing. Looked and I was yeah. like, oh, like ah, Hey, look at that. That's very, very lucky. So there was definitely a lot of fake it to yeah. make it. Cause I'm like, I mean, also I've never designed a trade show booth, but lots of like trade show booths do get designed by right. someone and, yeah. and, and at least a handful of those people have never done it before. Right. And so, I'm a relatively in intelligent person. I understand yeah. the general shape of yeah. things. Uh, you know, yeah. get, get me some dimensions. I'm sure I could <laughs> right. make this work. <laughs> what is this uh, DPI thing again? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, that was, that was, uh, exciting and fun. And then I moved back to New York to teach, uh, web design and graphic design at, uh, an extension of Long Island oh, cool. University. Yeah, it was it was actually very, very cool. Uh, the school was owned by uh, these two teeny tiny Israeli ladies, and uh, they were just they were absolutely fabulous. It was kind of a crash course in in Hasidic and Orthodox Jewish culture because it was in Flatbush. And so huh. basically 90 percent of my students were uh, Hasidic or Orthodox. And I think I broke every rule ever. <laughs> and and my and the two owners of the school would just look at me and laugh They'd, like they wouldn't offer me any guidance. Uh -huh. <laughs> They just kind of liked let watching. you be awkward. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And I'm like, I'm like, why would you do that to me? <laughs> and they're just laughing. I could hear them laughing from upstairs. That's hilarious. When they when they knew I was I was uh, you know putting my foot in another you know cultural right. mess, and so that was really really fun. I I learned a lot from that. I learned a lot about teaching. I even got to have a deaf student one time, which was uh, great. Except I didn't know because I I used to know or sort of still know American Sign mm -hmm. Language. But I, when I learned there weren't any computer related signs. And oh. so it was actually a weird barrier that I hadn't thought about. We're like, okay, you know, I can sign as I'm talking, but then I'm like, wait, do I have to spell all of this stuff out every yeah. single time? I have huh. no idea. Yeah. So that was cool. And uh, yeah, and then I started just doing HTML for a company called Cybergirl, which is not a porn site. I always have to clarify that. Not that there's anything wrong with porn, but mm -hmm. it was not in fact a porn site. It was right. a, an online women's community. Cool. And uh, they they weren't really super profitable in the community itself, so they had kind of a separate part that did websites for clients. Oh, okay. So I was put on to to work mostly with their clients, and they had stuff written in like ASP, Cold mm -hmm. Fusion, mm -hmm. and because the people who had designed it weren't there anymore, I basically had to learn all of these languages. And, oh, and also we only had a part time sysadmin, so when we'd hire someone new, I'm like, oh, I I guess I'm creating email accounts for people now, like. Right. <laughs> So I kind of became 
uh, a kind of a stand-in for a lot of different roles. Got to play with a, a lot of different languages, some of which I liked vastly better than others. Uh, <clears throat> right. Cold, cold fusion, really? <laughs> yep. Um, ASP so, yeah. wasn't that bad. There was worse things in ASP. Classic, classic ASP. Yeah, there, there are. <laughs> that, that is a thing that could be said. You are. That is an opinion one might have. <laughs> try to try to keep the positives spin on it. You know. Yeah. Hey, I will. I will say that all of these languages, the ones that are still around, have come a very long way. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yep. Including oh, PHP. Yeah. Yeah, .NET is not classic ASP, and PHP 5, whatever, PHP 7 is is no PHP 3, for sure. So sure. Were, were you using PHP at that point already, then? Was that one of your I, many? Yeah, yeah, that was that was one I was, because I was already, I'd already done some Perl stuff, and, uh, you know, I mean, it, it just wasn't that hard, and, you know, it was one of our clients had, had a website, I think it was the Bone Marrow Foundation, had their website in PHP, and so that kind of forced me to, to do a bit yeah. more kind of legwork on it, and, uh, yeah, that that's that was kind of that was the beginnings. Okay. <laughs> the and it, beginnings. At that point we're probably talking about single page PHP files for each page and at the top you've got like a common.inc that you're doing your database connections and then below that it's just the template, right? Okay. functions.inc and usually yep. some sort of PHTML. Yeah, oh god, PHTML. <laughs> yep. Okay. All right. So, I am an old old lady. Yep. Uh, honestly, we worked on a site that still used PHTML and things like four or five years ago. And I was like, I didn't even know the PHP parser still allowed for this. But apparently, some of these things still stick around. I mean, whatever you set as your, you know, as your uh, acceptable file yep. file formats, it'll yeah. parse. You can make it happen. Um, I can have a dot, dot .site file extension oh, if I want to. Oh, I kind of like that idea now. <laughs> Jeez. Okay, so, so when was the transition? What were the steps between there and where you are now? Is this, is, are we still many steps behind? Or did you get, it, get out on your own? pretty quickly after that? Um, well, so I moved to, I was doing some contract work thanks to a, a friend that I'd met through IRC. Mm -hmm. I was doing some contract work for a company out in San Diego and they were an ad agency. They, you know, this is kind of the beginning of the days when marketing companies were trying to own digital right? and they were trying to kind of build out their digital departments. And so they, they moved me out there because they're like, you know, you're amazing. So come on out here and build up our team. Right. And so I did, I built up their team uh, and we had some really kind of cool clients. We had um, San Diego Zoo, San Diego Padres, San Diego, Calif no, California Avocado Commission, which at the time I didn't like avocados. So I was giving away free avocados <laughs> oh, that I did no. not like. I, I hate myself now for, for knowing so how good. many avocados I could have had. Right. <laughs> but so, you know, I got to build some kind of lots of custom web apps, uh, all databasey stuff. And, uh, and that was really fun. I left there, started my own kind of web design company for lack of a better, a better term, you know, where I was basically mm -hmm. using PHP, but also pretending like I knew how to design anything at all. And so, you know, building my own kind of custom, uh, custom applications for people, none of it is really that fancy, but whatever. And that was fun. And right. then I broke my foot and uh, this is before the uh, ACA. And so I had no insurance and thousands of dollars and a spiral fracture later, I'm like, huh. Maybe I should get a real job. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so I started to work for the San Diego Blood Bank, which was a great gig. And I still, it was probably my favorite job. It, you know, the pay wasn't oh. that great, but but my coworkers were great. You know, your hours were your hours. There was no overtime. And if you had to work overtime, you got paid double time and a half. Yeah. Something like that. It was it was insane. Especially compared to the ad agency world, which is basically okay. the exact opposite. Yes. <laughs> yes. There's no amount of blood you can show yep. to prove that you are loyal, yep. you know, to that that particular market. 
So I ended up moving back to New York and ended up working for the Village Voice for a little while, which was oh really um, that's cool. Yeah, that was cool. Unfortunately, they had already been bought out by uh, by New Times, mm-hmm. and so they were not the Village Voice that I grew up with. The one that like you know kind of warmed my the liberal cobbles yep. of my heart. <laughs> it was actually kind of a crap place to work, to be oh, honest. Bummer. Like people were getting fired all the time. There's this one guy and he used to hang out in the archives room with a an exacto blade and a piece of paper and would just like cut at the piece of paper he was actually scary like everyone yeah. was afraid of him yeah because that's like that's office shooter kind of kind exactly. of crazy exactly yeah and uh and so uh i left there finally and then started and worked for another ad agency that's the one that i was working at when i uh finally started to work with you know snipe it when i first finally started to make snipe it but for a while while i was in california the nice thing about running your own gig uh, back then, and because it was like a one-man shop, so I didn't have you know people that I had to worry about. Right. Uh, I got a chance to work with Tigers for about a year, which was exhausting. That was around the time when I was writing my book too, and so like working with Tigers, commuting like four hours a day, coming home stinking like raw chicken and tiger pee, and then working on my book, and then whatever I can possibly eke out for customers. It was a. Uh, it's pretty chaotic and uh, definitely exhausting, but it was yeah good times. I mean, I don't want to preach too far in this, but I feel like the more of our story that takes us around like different aspects of life and different experiences, the more we bring to that thing we're in right now. And that's that's one of the reasons I keep pushing on people having histories before they came to tech or diverse histories in tech. And I feel like it's not to say that someone who just kind of like graduated from college and instantly got a job as a developer is therefore now incomplete. But I think that a lot of what makes a lot of people interesting is what they bring outside. And that's kind of true for anybody, right? Like what what makes you different from the people around you makes you different and makes you interesting. And it makes you have something, a perspective to be able to bring that the people around you don't. And it sounds like you have quite a few of those, at least as you enter into the communities that I'm asking you from the perspective of whether PHP or Laravel or anything like that. So I think, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with that, but anyway, <laughs> I, that's very interesting here. So no, I I, I absolutely I, I always say I sound really interesting on paper because <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm not really that interesting to talk to, but like when you actually look at all the crap I've done, it's like wow, that's that's kind of a lot. Right, and like, it's that is kind a of lot going weird. on. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And if stuff. I remember right, the book that you wrote was a Rock's PHP book, right? Oh yes, yes. It it you can still get it on Amazon, but it costs more oh, to can ship. Can you really? No, I <laughs> actually, I'm not sure. It may just be eBay, but last time I checked, it was selling for $2.95 and cost like $80 to ship. Yep, <laughs> so. Professional PHP for web development solutions. The, I don't yeah. see a mohawk. I don't I don't know which one's you. No, no. Yeah, I know. It's a gosh, it's a mystery of the ages, isn't it? Right. Yeah, $22.99. Wow. What was, uh, what was your experience like writing a book? Would you do it again? Possibly, okay. but I would need a bit more written assurances up front about how, so this was a co-authored book and basically we were not given communication information with each other. So like we were writing these chapters completely independently and it sucked. I offered to set up a, you know, a bulletin board just like we could, like for some reason they didn't want us talking to each other or something. I I don't know, Mm -hmm. but I was like, I really want to make sure because I don't know where this chapter is going to fall. I want to make sure that I'm not rehashing a thing that's already been discussed or touching on something that needs more information. And they never facilitated that. And they actually kind of pushed back against it. So it was really frustrating. You're literally writing chapters in a vacuum that then have to be cohesive when you string them all together. Yep. So I, I would need to know if it was going to be a co-authorship, I would need to know that that there are, that there this would truly be collaborative because yeah. the way it looks on the cover, it looks like we're all hanging out. And uh, yeah. nope, I don't think I've ever spoken to those people ever. Like, Wow. <laughs> yeah, Jeez. it's really weird. 
it's really weird. Um, and so I did not like that. I thought that was, uh, I thought that was really just not a way to give the best experience yeah. to the reader. And so if I was going to, if I was going to collaborate, I would have to make sure that there was something like that. I've, I've toyed with writing, uh, writing a couple of books over the last few years. It's just, it is also a bit of a time suck. And it so, really is. yeah, <laughs> I mean, my, my perception, what I've kind of told people in the past is that like, people often ask me like, should I write a book with a traditional publisher like you did? Cause mine was with O'Reilly or should I self-publish like a lot of the people in our community have. And my general perception has been, if you, if you want to make money, self-publish yeah, um, but yeah, if, you, if you want reach that's outside of your current ability then consider a traditional publisher but you've got quite a bit of reach <laughs> and i wonder whether whether this was, back, this was like 2003 though yeah so yeah no, I mean, and i don't mean for then but i mean now <laughs> if you're going at it yeah. now seems like there'd probably be less of a reason for you to do a traditional publisher this at this point so yeah i don't know though i mean i, I still kind of uh O'Reilly, like you know, being, yeah. being a published O'Reilly author, I still toy with and that. I tell honestly. people I I got a degree in secondary English education, basically, and this this O'Reilly book is my it's my um my proof that I'm actually a real programmer. <laughs> and you know what? Honestly, that was really important to me back then. Yeah, me too. And I and, I, and I I don't know I don't know that I would have I don't know where things would have gone. I don't know if I would have I, I probably would have stuck with it because I really really liked it, but I I just. I think that gave me a bit of confidence that I, I really mm -hmm. needed and that I proof again, you know, cause I didn't graduate college. I nearly didn't graduate high school because of a programming class. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. You know, it, it was a, it was a way for me to kind of say, Hey, not just to the rest of the world, but to myself, like, Hey, yeah. I actually know what I'm talking about. You, you can't so. underappreciate just how significant that is. And, and I, I love that you said it. it's not just everybody else. It's, it's to you too. I mean, I like, think more, more than anyone else to myself. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. It's... I don't care what you guys think. <laughs> I, I spent I spent several thousand hours writing a book with a major publisher so that I can overcome imposter syndrome. Oh, totally. And, and it's totally worth it. I still have it, but maybe a little less. Yes, I, I at least if, if someone actually pushes the imposter syndrome too far, I'll yeah. be like, I wrote a book. What have you done? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I, you know, I go off, I go off and, uh, and like rock in the corner as I'm like, I don't deserve yeah, to exactly. be here. I don't deserve to be here. <laughs> yeah, it certainly doesn't make it go away, but maybe it's a tool yeah. in our arsenal to, to battle yes, it. So I, I think that's a very good way to, to describe it. I like it. Okay. So, okay. I, so I would, I, I think I would, I would just, I would need that to be a, a bit more of a yeah. tighter process. Well, if you decide to write with O'Reilly, I know some people, so just, you know, give me a call. <laughs> pretty, I, I, I also know some people at O'Reilly. I, I was just going to say, I'm pretty sure you don't need me for any of that kind of stuff, but you know, I just had to say it to try and seem like I actually matter, you know, so this works. Yeah, of course you matter. <laughs> Oh, I'm, I'm early for you, I got up early for you. That's true. You don't have any idea. That's true. This but... is this is quite earlier time. I appreciate it. <laughs> okay, so I'm trying to not talk forever. So I'm trying to move us on, even though I'm just, you know, my usual caveats to everyone take a drink. Yep, so yep, yep. you eventually started Snipe IT. I think we skipped a couple things, but we were talking about you becoming the CTO of the ad agency and being in a place where you need to manage that kind of stuff. You started Snipe mm -hmm. IT. You now have a remote team. Could you mm -hmm. tell me a little bit about the makeup of your team and what it's like running a remote team and the pros and cons you've experienced and anything else that you would want to share about what that experience is like for you? Well, I'm I'm really lucky, first of all, because uh, although our team is remote, we're all also kind of local. And so oh, okay. we can actually see each other. We, you know, we'll go out and have beers when we hit a, a you know, major milestone. We'll go out and, you know, have some champagne and and uh, and celebrate that. And we do get to see each other's faces. Also, we were friends first. And so oh, okay. you know, that, totally that helps. Yeah, it's totally, totally different. So if you're looking for like advice on how to run a, a right. real remote team, 
That I can't help you with. I can tell you how to manage your friends through Slack, though. <laughs> so basically, you and a bunch of friends live in a whatever, like an hour driving distance of each other or whatever, and choose to work from more home. Like, more like seven minutes. But <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this is we really are... just like, we just don't feel like going to an office kind of vibe. It's pants. It's pants. <laughs> it's like putting on. I'm not putting on pants. I've worked too hard in my career to have to put on pants anymore. There's I, a reason this isn't a video call, Matt. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. I so I wish I wish that this was one of the I podcasts. I, I think I just made Matt blush, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> this uh, this is a uh, so this is one of the podcast I wish this was one of the podcasts where they name each episode because that would have been the name right there for this episode. <laughs> I might have to just just for this one, just give it a name just for that. Okay. I hear you. I get it. Um, so, well, I mean, so the, so the thing is, I hadn't actually planned on hiring uh, okay. when I did. And the reality is I should have because hmm. uh, I was really buckling under the the help desk that that customer support load was a lot. Hmm. And it was causing me a great deal of anxiety. And it was really kind of looking back at it now, it was really kind of untenable. Yeah. But of course, I think that I'm 10 feet tall and bulletproof. So, you know, I'm like, I got You're this, not. I got this. Meanwhile, it's four o'clock in the morning and you yeah. know, I can't even see straight yeah. anymore. And so I ended up having to hire someone for kind of a, a, a personal reason. And she's actually worked out great. She's a, an absolute rock star on the help desk that she's never worked a help desk before. And nice. she owns it. It's, it's actually really, really great. And once I had hired her, I think like, cause you know, the onboarding takes a little bit, but especially yeah. like literally never worked a help desk before. So yeah. it's not just onboarding with my company. It's like onboarding the, industry, the entire concept. Yeah. And, and as soon as she got her footing, she just like, she just completely handled it. And it was, it was really great. The next hire is a, a developer slash sysadmin that I've known for a while. And, uh, you know, he's just fantastic. He's actually the harder one because he, I think, requires a little bit more structure and a little bit more mm -hmm. FaceTime. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I need to be better. I, I do. I need to be better about, about working with that because in my head, I'm still kind of managing this the way that I want to be managed. Yep. And I forget that that's actually not my job anymore. People like, are my different. Job is, Yes, people are different. And also, like, not everybody wants what I want. And frankly, yeah. it doesn't matter what I want. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, like, that's that's no longer a luxury that I have, caring more about how I want things to go for myself, that that priority has shifted. And, and so I'm having to painfully learn that, <laughs> that, that lesson. Yeah, I mean, not not painfully, I love everybody. I love my entire team. They're just they're absolutely amazing. And I'm super, super grateful for them. Every day that goes by, every time one of them takes vacation, it's like we just we all kind of like hold on to our desks. We're like, OK, we can get through this. We yeah. can get through this. But, you know, it's it's a, it's a learning curve. Certainly, uh, you know, I've run my own small business. I've run dev teams. This is a this is a different thing, though, because the reason why I wanted to make this a company instead of just running this as a side project is because I've worked for tons of shitty companies and I yep. just I want to build the company that I, I wish was, I'd worked for. I, I'm so sorry for doing this, but I was doing that thing where you're hearing somebody talking and waiting for your chance to talk. <laughs> and I sorry. literally was about to say, yeah, Dan and I, when we started Titan, the first thing we said was we want to build the company we want to work for. Like, yep. so you just said, and I'm like, exactly. <laughs> and that, that introduces the problem you're talking about, which is you just assume everybody wants the same things you want. But it also yes. means you, nobody else gets to force you to put people through things that you wouldn't want to be put through. And, and it's an incredible freedom if you can yes. make it profitable. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And like getting to institute stuff that I think is really kind of worker friendly. So like mm -hmm. we all make our own hours. We have office hours so that 
when Victoria is handling the help desk so that she's got access to the text that she yeah. needs during a certain amount of time. But in general, like she's she's got a kid. She's got we we have to get have that flexibility yeah. so that she and like honestly, she just lets us know that she's gonna pick up her kid. And it's like, okay, cool, we'll see you back, you yep. know, in half an hour or whatever. Yep. And uh and like vacation, she had not had a real vacation in probably 10 or 15 years. Oof. And so last year, last year we like you were taking vacation and she kept yeah. checking into Slack. And I'm like, girl, I will actually revoke the <laughs> credentials. Exactly. Like, do not play with me. And so this year. This year, I've decided that there's two weeks, basically mandatory vacation, and we're going to put nice. uh, three three thousand dollars towards each person's vacation funds, so that Ooh, that's cool. They can so that they can actually like go and do something awesome and relaxing, and yeah. not stress about money while they're there, and just like get to go Ooh. and actually enjoy things and come back refreshed and ready to work. And so, yeah, it's it's like pretty it. cool being able to come up with <laughs> come up with stuff like this and and really like. You know what would I have needed? Because you know when I when I was working at the ad agencies, especially, I would accrue my my uh, PTO. Honestly, that's why Snipe IT existed was because I had two and a half weeks, three weeks of PTO that was not going to roll over. Right. And so they made me take vacation in November. They, mm -hmm. they wouldn't let me do it in December, so they made me do it in November. And I was like, oh yeah, three weeks of just relaxing, playing video <laughs> games, and yeah, that didn't work. And I accidentally I accidentally yeah. did a product and. <laughs> And now I accidentally the business. <laughs> right. That's awesome. One of the things I often talk about as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, is something that I think people are scared of talking about, which is power. Because being a business owner means you get to hire, you get to figure out how money is spent, you can figure out what pressures are and are not put on the people you work with. And I, I call that power, but I think power doesn't have to be a scary word because really what matters is what you do with the power. And when we hear power as a, as a negative thing, it, it is usually because the people in power are benefiting themselves. I think that something is really beautiful and wonderful and we need more of in the world is when people, when we can see power as a positive thing because people get power and then use it for the benefit of other people. So I just want to uh, like applaud and affirm what you're doing because you just described that. It's like, I got power and the first thing I did was work to make other people's lives better understanding what the situation that they were in was. So I love hearing that. I'm, I'm really glad that we got to talk about this today. Well, thank you. And I'm, I'm looking forward to, to coming up with more stuff like that. Like I love it. That, that, that's like, it's super important to me as much as, and our customers are incredibly important to us, obviously, but like my staff is yeah. as mm -hmm. important. You can't have one without the other either direction. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, in the end, they're just both people who you work with. And so the, the whole, yeah. the hope is that you're able to make both groups of people um, really have lives that were better because they had a chance to interact with you. Yeah. Okay. So Absolutely. we are almost out of time. I asked people at Titan if they had any questions for you and they gave me a million and I haven't gotten any of them. So they're all, gonna be, <laughs> they're all going to be mad, mad at me. So <laughs> I'm trying to look at the one that I could pull up that won't turn into a 30 minute long conversation. Um, so I'm sorry. I'm Italian. I'm Italian. There is literally nothing you can talk to me about that won't turn into a 30-minute conversation. Right. I'll, I'll literally go with the question that has the least words in it and see if that gets us anywhere. Coffee or tea? There you go. Uh, see how short that was? <laughs> All right. This so, podcast sponsored by right. Red Bull. <laughs> it's so funny. The, 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 it's been the thing at Titan for the longest time where the, those of us who started the company and the first hires were primarily coffee people. There's one tea holdout. But over time, like the tea contingent has grown. And just within the last nine months, we hired two people who are like Red Bull addicts. And all of a sudden, we're, we're shopping for the company on site. And they're like, orange Red Bull, no sugar, energy, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I have a course in Red Bull flavors. And, you know, so anyway, I I, I still think it's um pretty gross, but I did try some of them. Oh, it's disgusting. Okay. No, it is utterly vile. 
It is really, really gross. I don't get it. <laughs> Please pitch me on why I would drink Red Bull instead of coffee then. No, uh, if you don't drink Red Bull, then there will be more for me. So first of all, I'm not going to pitch that. But of also, the world's like, dwindling listen, storage of, of Red Bull. Listen, I mean, honestly, we we like we buy our stores out of, of local Red <laughs> God, Bull. It's that's amazing. Ridiculous. We have like we have a main store and then we have a fall, uh, failover yeah. store. But it, listen, you don't drink it because it tastes good. It it tastes like dog ass, but it wakes you up. It keeps you awake. It does. It fills the same role that coffee does. And frankly, I don't think that coffee tastes that good. Oh, okay. So I could ask Fair enough. Same question right. to you. So for you, it's it's a combination of you don't like the flavor of either, but one of them you can buy in in bulk and throw in the fridge. Yes. Got it. Yes. Okay. I get that. I love the flavor of coffee, but I'm like a geek. I get all the, the I have all the equipment and all that kind of stuff. So of course you do. Of yeah. course you do. <laughs> <laughs> Am I predictable? I am predictable. Okay. I will, uh, I will neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> my lawyer, my lawyer has advised me. <laughs> yeah, not, not to make a statement on this particular. Okay. I have one more and I'm praying that I can make it short, but I probably won't. You are a member of the Laravel community, right? You use Laravel, you you share things every once in a while, but for someone who is such a big name, who's a member of the Laravel community, much of your kind of like popularity is not within the Laravel community, right? You're not popular because you're speaking at Laracon. You're not creating Laravel packages that all the people are consuming. So it's this interesting thing where you're a very well-known person who uses Laravel and is a member of the Laravel community, but is not necessarily gaining all that fame within Laravel space. And so it's an interesting overlap. So as someone who does have exposure to lots of other tech communities, you're in the InfoSec world, you've been in PHP for a while, but you're also solidly Laravel. Do you have any perspectives on either maybe the differences between InfoSec and PHP, differences between InfoSec and Laravel, and or like, is there anything that you would kind of like say to the Laravel community or are things you'd either applaud or hope to see grow? Or is there anything you just want to say about kind of like the way Laravel kind of compares or connects or overlaps or whatever with kind of the rest of the world that you're in? Well, so I mean, it's always an ongoing joke in the infosec community it's a you know php developers are pretty much the easiest punching bag in yeah. the in the in the infosec community in fact, and everywhere I think else just, just yesterday i i submitted an eye-rolling gif uh in relation to someone in infosec you know bagging on php developers and like mm -hmm. i get it when the language first came out it was really easy to learn you didn't need to have any knowledge of programming or or discipline or best practices there were no best practices for quite some time in php and so i totally mm -hmm. get that the thing is that that's not really the world that we live in anymore it's actually hard to write a php application without using a framework these days like, right because the frameworks are so so much better and it's so much yeah. faster that for me i mean i'm, I'm pretty sure i could still write a, a php application without a framework but why but the why? hell would i yeah <laughs> if, I, if i ever have to write another goddamn login off <laughs> exactly routine, like I'll, I'll kill myself yep. i will actually kill myself <laughs> and so I mean, I wouldn't say, you know, comparing InfoSec to PHP or Laravel is like comparing apples to orangutans. Like they're just, yeah. they're entirely different animals. And there is a little bit of overlap, but typically not. In general, PHP has a bad reputation in InfoSec. In fact, I will tell you a very brief story about yeah. how I got into InfoSec because this is always, this one's always a fun one. I used to run a nonprofit organization when I uh, moved to California the first time. It was an, basically like Megan's Law for animal abusers. So okay. criminal animal abuse, and I, I would pull in data, break it down statistically based on a couple of different pointers like domestic violence connection, blah, blah, mm -hmm. blah, 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 and basically run statistics on that stuff. And this was going back a very, very long time when nobody really knew or gave a crap at all about AppSec. And at one point, my website got hacked. The organization's website got hacked. Huh. And so I am literally on my way to speak at a conference in Florida, an animal welfare conference. Oh, I'm yeah. checking in 
I'm like, hi, you know, Alison Giannato, I'm a speaker. And she goes, oh, you're petabuse.com. Oh, that's great. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear about what happened. And I'm like, I've been on a plane for a couple of hours. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> so I get, to, I run to my hotel room and somebody has defaced right. the website with a, <laughs> an animated GIF and a, and a song playing in the background, which was basically a clip from Meatspin and a link to Meatspin. And if any of your listeners don't know what Meatspin I is, don't. please do not, do not Google okay. that. I mean, you can Google it, but have safe search on it's, it's, it's uh, is it like goatsy kind of stuff? It's yeah. And you spin me right round, baby, right round playing in the background on mm -hmm. auto loop to this day. When I hear that song, I, I kind of shiver a little bit. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And uh, and so, you know, I ended up actually talking to this guy who thought that we were a much bigger organization than we were. And he was trying to extort money, of course. And I was oh, like, okay. dude, you like you have you have no idea. We get like eight hundred dollars in donations every month. Like yeah. you were barking up the wrong tree. He's like, well, you know, I thought you were bigger and, uh, you know, yeah. I'm sorry, but it is what it is. And so I basically I I toyed with him long enough to figure out what, what he done. had done. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, this was on a Cobalt rack server. I mean, like this is first of all, we're going back and second of yeah. all, those are not exactly known for their security, but it was right. what I could afford, mm -hmm. honestly, what I could afford. And so I figured it out. I locked him out. I did leave him one final kind of fu text file, <laughs> um, <laughs> nice. just so that he just so that he knew. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, you uh, knew. But that was yes, and and that so that was how I got into this in the first place was basically you know a horrific horrific internet meme yeah, wow. and the defacement of my organization's website, and so from then on, and you know and again this is like 2004 2005, uh, you know application security became really important to me hmm. and uh, and that's. That's that's why I'm here. <laughs> that's that's why I go to DEF CON. Yep. That's why I care. That's why I speak about application security and and security in mm. general. And so yeah, that's. But but get back to your original question. There isn't really an overlap. Right. There is there is this kind of disdainful yeah. <laughs> relationship. For the most part coming from both directions because infosec people don't typically treat programmers in general very well, but especially right. not. PHP developers and uh, PHP developers are kind of tired of getting shit on. And so they don't yeah. necessarily treat it. It's just, it becomes a bit of a self-fulfilling cluster. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's, and honestly, like, it's all just a bunch of dumbass egos and it's stupid. And like, uh, if we would just talk to each other Preach. a little bit more, we'd probably be, be on, a little somebody. better off. So you'll be surprised to hear that I could talk about InfoSec and PHP for an hour, <laughs> but we're out of time. So I don't know if I'm going to have you back sometime or I don't know what, but uh, this has been amazing. I really appreciate you spending some time with me. Um, before we cut off for the day and I cry because of all the topics I'm not going to cover, is there anything you wanted to talk about? Anything you want to plug? Anything you want to cover? Anything you want to say to the people um, that we haven't gotten to cover today? Nothing that really comes to mind. I mean, I, I am still really passionate about AppSec. And if you're not using, if you're using a framework and you're not utilizing all of the security stuff that's built in already, specifically like Laravel is really good with that. I've had to write some middleware to add some additional like CSP headers and things mm -hmm. like that. But if you're already paying the price, the overhead of using a framework, then freaking use it. Like yeah. actually use all of the bits that are good, not just the bits that you don't feel like writing. So and Laravel there, makes it Laravel makes it really hard to like avoid the like uh, CSRF tokens. Right. You would actually have to go out of your way to to like disable those. And I like that about Laravel. I like yeah. that it's opinionated. I like that it doesn't want you to screw this up. That said, any developer left to their own devices, sufficiently motivated, will we'll still screw, screw something up. up. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but you know, frameworks like Laravel, I think, are ones that are headed in the right direction. So your default. Cool. Your 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 default login already uses bcrypt to hash the password. 
-hmm. you would again have to go out of your way to write something that would store something in like clear text or md5 right and so i think that's a step in, in the right direction so use your frameworks learn what their security their built-in security functionality is and and use you know it. use them use them <laughs> one, one of the packages i'm actually writing uh for laravel right now is, is an sql not not sql an xss package which will basically mm -hmm. walk through your schema and we'll try and inject rows of uh, XSS uh, stuff in there so that when you reload the app and if you've got any kind of functional testing or acceptance testing set up, you'll be able to see very quickly what nice. you've forgotten to escape. You know, and, I love and like it. For, for, normal, for a normal cruddy app, that's actually hard to do because the double braces will escape everything. Right. But for example, if you're using data from an API, maybe you're not cleaning it as well, whatever. And so that's one of the packages that that I actually that's am great. And also, on. if you're using JavaScript, it's really common for people to not yep. escape it. And so then yep. all of a sudden they forget to clean it. So exactly. I, so I want I wanted like one quick way to to basically just check and see how how boned I was. Yes. And so Is it, does it have a name fun. yet that we can watch for? Or would we'll you just link it once you have it? <laughs> uh, well, the only name, <laughs> you know, how how uh, the mocking data package is called Faker. Yeah. So you can imagine what I'm considering calling this. That I probably won't call it. Probably won't. But now we can all remember it that <laughs> no, way. Yeah. No promises. Absolutely no promises is all I'm saying. Okay. Well, assuming it's safe for work, I will link the name in the show notes later. If not, I will. Again, you can just go no follow Snap on Twitter. <laughs> no promises. I like it. Okay. Y'all have taken enough drinks, so I won't say my usual ending for you to drink to. So, Snipe. Allison, thank you so much. Thank you for the 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 ways you have spoken up for a lot of things that really matter, both in this call and in our community as a whole. Thank you for hopefully helping me, but also our entire community um, get better going forward, but also the things you've brought to us in the past in terms of application security. And I, you know, I, I don't know why I didn't say this earlier, but Mr. Rogers is maybe like one of my top um, heroes mm -hmm. of all time. And that was what was going through in my mind was when you were talking about running your company. So thank you for being that kind of a force, both for, for running companies that way and taking care of people. And then, of course, by proxy for just the people who you're working with. The more people that are out there doing that, I think the better it is for all of us. So this has been ridiculously fun. If anyone wants to follow you on Twitter, what's your Twitter handle and what are other things they should check out? The, the URL for Sniper. I and mean, I'll put all these in the show notes, but I just want you to get a chance to say them all at the end. So, so my Twitter handle is Snipeyhead mm -hmm. because at snipe was taken and i'm still pissed at that guy <laughs> um, <laughs> yep. um and the uh url for snipe it is snipeitapp.com not very creative but all of our issues are on github you know we'd love we your pull requests are welcome <laughs> as always <laughs> nice. but it is free and if it if it helps you solve some of your problems at your organization uh we would love for you to try it out if you'd like to give us money that's awesome too but ultimately the more people who are using it nice. the better so okay well, thank you so much for your time. Everyone, you know, check out the show notes as always. And we'll see you again in a couple of weeks with a special episode. And I'll tell you more what it is when that one happens. <laughs> thank see you ya. so much, Matt.